Serial Entrepreneur. Hello and welcome back to the Serial Entrepreneur podcast. Another week, another episode and today I am super excited as we have a super exciting guest on our show this week. I'm pleased to introduce you to Tamara Gillen, CEO and founder of Cherry London and also the founder of the Wealthy Hurt Network which aims to bring together the UK's leading financial institutions to work in partnership, to celebrate, and just to support females and female wealth, which is something that I love speaking about. So I'm super excited for today's episode. So Tamara, thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure to have you on the show. How are you today? I am very good, thank you. And it is fabulous to be here with you. Amazing. Before we jump into the questions, I have to ask everyone, as it's the Serial Entrepreneur podcast, what is your favourite breakfast cereal and why? I have a clear winner. It is uh, Cocoa Pops because as a child, my mother was a very good into her healthy eating. We were allowed Weetabix. And so whenever I used to go to people's houses and they had Cocoa Pops, I would be like, oh, my goodness. And I have to say one of the highlights of having a child who I also don't regularly let eat Cocoa Pops is that every now and then in a variety pack, of Kellogg's when we're on holiday is a leftover box of Cocoa Pops and I steal it and I have it with cold cold milk and it remains a highlight and a guilty pleasure. It is definitely one of the elite cereals because you get a lovely breakfast cereal and then you also get like chocolate milk afterwards so it's win-win. Keeps giving, gift that keeps on giving. Exactly, I'm not sure anyone can argue with that. Well now I'm hungry and thinking about Cocoa Pops. (laughs) Let's jump straight into the questions. Before we talk about obviously the uh, Wealthy Hand Network and all the amazing work that you're doing, I want to know a little bit more about yourself and your background and your journey so far. So I am, I come from a family of entrepreneurs or entrepreneurial family and business has always been in in my family blood and I have to say I've loved having I've loved having that influence on my in my life my father was family was from the kind of east end and he has this motto you know the harder you work the luckier you get and that if you believe you can do anything and he has certainly you know he worked in the film industry he actually made the pg tips ads with the piano he was a lighting man uh, and the monkey back in the day and then he actually became he had a property development company and then we moved to New Zealand and he went into wine and hotels because he just said this idea that if you work hard and you believe you can do and my family were in the family hospitality wine business and actually you know those learnings I have to say have kind of speared you know given me that kind of almost confidence to go on and also just think that that's what I was always going to be but my mum is also she's from a powerhouse female family so she's got eight siblings and six of them are girls and then my my grandma was this amazing woman called Eve who was a newspaper journalist and there's the daughters of Eve and they are terrifying clever challenging a total she was the matriarch um, and my mother is the matriarch and actually has kind of also given me this sort of passion for working for women empowering women and believing again even more so as a woman that we have challenges but we have huge opportunities and being a woman is a great thing yeah oh my gosh that's incredible I can't believe your the family story is just incredible in itself I could sit here for an hour and talk to you about that um (laughs) very jealous also of your dad going over to New Zealand to work in the wine because New Zealand wine is the best arguably the best in the world so yeah what a great choice that was 
it's also obviously amazing to see that there's been some influential women in your life and that maybe kind of explains or also obviously some of the reasons that you you're doing the incredible work that you are doing and so for people that may not know tell us a little bit about the the wealthy her network and why you started it and i have um, i have a marketing business called cherry london and i had worked for on lots of big programs on female entrepreneurs on empowerment um, and actually someone approached me in t- 2018 nine, 2018 and said i have a I work within the finance industry. Do you think it's possible to change the industry by getting competitors to work together to understand women, to champion women? Um, and I love a challenge. And I said, hell yes, we can get you know the finance industry to work together. Um, and Wealthy Her was born on International Women's Day 2019. And we have a kind of really simple mission, which is to advance women. And how we do that is by and and changing their financial futures and financial prosperity for women, whether they're investors, whether they're entrepreneurs. And there are some big challenges that women face. So, you know, we've got the pension gap. It's widening as a result of COVID, as is the pay gap. And the two are inextricably linked. Women aren't protecting their long term futures. Women aren't investing in, you know, in the same way. They're missing out on prosperity and female founders aren't getting backed in the same way as men are. And I wanted to change that, uh, get these most powerful finance industry um, brands and businesses from JP Morgan to HSBC together to do that. And how we do it is we, we arm and equip women with financial education. We've got the Wealthy Her Academy. We help them to advance their careers. So we've got things like how do you pitch for the ultimate job or how do you pitch to get money for your business how do you build your personal brand how do you talk about money and love because we're terrible at that um we also um say well it's not all about women it's about changing the industry so actually changing the way that the finance industry understands and talks to women and and, and breaking down those barriers for women um and then also just overcoming some of those big things like women aren't getting funded let's change that because women entrepreneurs you know outperform in terms of revenue growth outperform their male counterparts but they aren't being funded at the same level so tangible programs to change that amazing and you said that obviously covid's kind of like you know bridging the gap even further between the uh, the pension and the pay gap but obviously you started the wealthy her network uh, back in 2019 before covid so before COVID came and you, you know, you started this network and you had this passion and this drive, could you actually see some positive changes? Were you, were you confident that obviously the network was still needed? That's why you created it. But things were going in the right direction. Absolutely. 32% of the world's wealth is held by women. 20 trillion globally in um, consumer spending is controlled by women above and beyond that individual ownership of wealth. Women are better educated than they've ever been before, the current generation of women than our grandmothers, our mothers, actually probably not in mine, my case, but you know, you know, they're better educated, they're more in careers, they're starting businesses, a third of the world's businesses and, and the same in the UK are held by women. We're starting businesses, we're prospering into leadership, representation's never been higher in the UK and that's you know shifting globally as well. So there's definitely a massive movement forward in terms of the advancement of women and it's happening and women are adding more to the global wealth pool than any other group we are powerhouses unfortunately it's it's in the areas where we are not and and covid has has an impact and, and it makes sense 
In lockdown, women on average were doing 156 hours more in care of their families and loved ones, whether that was the horrendousness, and as a single mum, I know it is horrendous, homeschooling or looking after elderly parents. You know, our jobs have been most compromised. Women work in retail, women, you know, women work in hospitality, journalism, you know, and so that has been impacted. And and as a result, you see pension gaps. So it's not that we're saying it's it's all diet. It isn't. But we want to make sure the trend. And, you know, we make back some of the kind of hits and we re-engage women because we're missing out by not protecting our futures with pensions or investing in ISIS or just I got divorced. You know, I lost. I'd worked so hard until I was, you know, my late 30s, got married, had a baby, got divorced. And I never protected my wealth. I never protected my assets going into a very short term marriage. And I just think. If we just with more eyes and think it's not a taboo to talk about protecting your assets, it's actually just savvy and smart and change that. We can actually change those kind of outcomes. A hundred percent. I mean, it should be common sense, shouldn't it? But you don't always think about these things. And that's obviously what kind of some of the work you're doing is is educating women and kind of highlighting it as well. And obviously you said like it's it's not that COVID has ruined things. It's just it's put us back and, you know, you want to see us head off in the right direction. But COVID anticipated, but even before COVID, what sort of changes did you personally and did the network kind of want to see, especially when it came to females getting more funding? So on the entrepreneurial fund, what, one of the front, one of the things that we want to want to do and we continue to do is to raise the awareness that there's a problem because if you're not aware and there's this wonderful woman called Dana Kantz who's done a lot of research in this area and just for example she was finding that female entrepreneurs versus male entrepreneurs were being asked blocking questions so I was rocking up as a man and I'd present my thing and they'd be asked lots of kind of you know promoting questions okay tell me about that I see whereas women and she you know methodically researched this are being asked well that's not going to work well could you explain how you know so not not necessarily being engaged it was a very different engagement and there's some stories that I've heard some of the industry talk about like Huda Beauty you know hugely successful global beauty platform and in fact she was blocked she was denied funding because she was presenting to people going are you sure there's this beauty global demand yes there is yes there is so you know we want to raise awareness we want to change the people and those funding communities to make them more aware change the way that they're engaging but on the other side you hear people say well women aren't talking the language of male investors or investors or the funding community how do we change their language but also better prepare them to be more confident and I know from my, I'm, you know, I'm currently going through some investment rounds. It's terrifying. You know, you sit there and some people are like, okay, begin. There's no hello. You're like, I'm, I'm on Zoom and I'm just like, go. And in fact, you know, you've got to be, you've got to be hardy. And there's this amazing entrepreneur called Lara Morgan, who was part of our global summit. She's got this, which was to take on, you know, take on one of this, this, this is sort of, you know, really get behind women as entrepreneurs and leaders. Um, and she said, Tamara, put your big girl pants on and be hard as nails and you've just got to be tough and you do but but equally you know one of the things I'm thinking about is how do I I'm actually talking to female investors I want to change the language you know so I think but we're we're looking to do it from both sides sort of get behind founders but change who they're facing into and, and how they're listening and engaging amazing and I think you need to like you say there is two sides to it there is two flip sides and it's it's good to kind of highlight both I want to obviously talk about your funding journey because that's you know super exciting and you're looking for funding to help 
other women find funding. But I also want to ask, when it comes to, you know, you just said pitching to investors and when it's male investors, you have to kind of like tailor the language and you you know maybe your pitch deck to them do you know going into it whether they're going to be male or female investors and do you have a clear i'm going to pitch to female investors i'm going to pitch to male investors and it's two kind of like completely different avenues that you could potentially go down i think that you know someone said to me i am early early in the journey and you one of the things that i have definitely heard people say and i know this to be true is research and really think these are your future strategic partners. You want someone that you can be a partner of, grow with, you know, and there's different choices. You know, people can give you, and again, Lara Morgan taught me this, people can give you more than money, you know, and you want more than money. So someone might give you investment, but they might also give you strategic advice. And we see that in research. Businesses want to have advisors that can help them go on. So I think that the most important thing, whether they're men or women, is that they're the right strategic fit? And again, this is only people telling me that I'm learning by mistakes, is do your research. Have they invested in people like you or your kind of business? What are their past investments? Ask them questions. Ask for their advice because it also does change the tone. Of the, and you want a conversation and people like to give their advice. However, there are also people that you're never going to fit with. And it is not, you know, you don't leave that going, woohoo, that was great. You're like, oh, golly that was just really tough and that's okay you just got to dust yourself up and go okay you weren't for me and I wasn't for you and as someone else has said to me you will kiss a lot of frogs um and you need to try and improve the frog ratio so you kiss less frogs but you need to you know and, and there's a learning on that one yeah definitely I mean when it comes to funding it can be such a scary moment but like pretty much all entrepreneurs go through it and it can be like really daunting um you're going through it yourself now as I say so tell me about your experience I know you said it's quite early stage but tell me about your experiences so far how have you found it how have you kind of approached it I think that the I hate this document but it is really really important it is your investor deck uh, and your business plan and at the same time you know there's a part of me that says this is such a ridiculous document in 20 minutes in 30 minutes someone is going to decide whether or not they are going to invest in me initially maybe even to the first 10 minutes they'll say and you talk to the british growth fund and they say a wonderful woman and one of their investors that's a big champion of investing in women and they do well at investing in women and she says i think she says something like yeah we see two thousand pitches and we invest in you know this number so it is a journey but in the investor deck is really really important and it isn't just a deck and i've learned this from myself because it is about your strategy and refining your strategy and refining and refining and in fact i've really learned even even though just those first few conversations and we're not right for each other, I've learned a lot from every single one. And so I think take it as a learning, you know, and over time you want to do less learning because you want, you have, there's only so much time in a day and an angel investor who's just joined my advisory board, a woman called Angela Spindler. She said to me, cause I'm like, how do you do this on top of your day job? And she said, welcome to a founder that's raising funding. You've got to do it on top of your day job and you just got to find the time. And that is tough. It is tough. Cause I've got, a busy job. So finding time, carving off time, you know, learning, but optimizing your time because it, you know, it is a job. I've done a lot of partnerships. I've pitched a life and run a bit big partnership programs like O2 Priority. I used to, you know, be the kind of agency in my company for that. Always set out, how do you make yourself so valuable that someone wants you? And how do you almost cover off your weaknesses? So that's actually something that I've just done is put together 
a really rock star advisory board so that if people looking at me are going, well, tomorrow you're not so good at that. And I'll be like, no, I've actually just brought to the team this amazing FD who covers that off. I've got a FTSE 250 CEO who's going to be on my NED. She's been here, done that. You can trust her when you might be looking at me. And so really think of like how you position yourself so that you've truly got strategic advisors that give you advice, but put you in the, in the best they make you the the complete package. And then the final one is the, you know, I think is the, you know, think about different rounds because you might do something where you take a small, which is what I'm doing, a smaller investment, prove yourself and then take a bigger investment, but don't give away all your equity. And to go on a journey and people that can come on the journey with you, but think about it in stages. And there's obviously, like you say, different options, there's different types of funding out there. How do you know which kind of route is the best for you? And where, yeah, where do you start when it comes to looking at all the different types of funding? So there are some, you know, there are different types of funding. And as I said, I just ran out, she's got this a masterclass with people who are much better at this than me. And I wish I had it in front of me, but I can remember it. You know, there is that that kind of different stages. There's there's bootstrapping and that's like kind of just getting through. And I've certainly done my share of that. There's family and friends. That's hard because it almost it's almost more like, yes, it might be easier, but it comes with its layers. And you certainly don't want to get it wrong where friends and families are concerned. Um, and so, you know, that that does come with its kind of pros and cons. There's obviously um, loan or debt, which, you know, not women, not many women do that. Actually, more men than women take on debt. Um, some of that could be because women are don't have access to cap, you know the debt capital, you know money, or it could be because they don't choose to do it. It's just not something that they do. Interestingly, women are more likely to take on a grant, an innovation grant, than a man. Um, but it takes a lot more time and it's a lot lot less value. Then you've got like angel investors, so. They can be individuals or they, they sometimes are like angel investors community where five or six of them will get together and decide together we want to invest in this. They're good options because they also come with the kind of they give you their time. Often when they, the angel group invests, they've often got an interesting, you know, you can learn a lot. So I think angel investors and there's a number of like if you Google angel investors, there's a number of communities or groups and either like angel investors in, in the north, you know, tech investors of in, in, in Manchester. So you can you can find something that's either regional or more focused to you. Then there is more institutional investors. So VCs, private equity. So like British Growth Fund, um, they tend to be when you're kind of probably further or you're kind of a little bit further along in the journey, but not always. I've actually missed one, which is like seed investors. So those that are kind of pre-seed and there's definitely those that are pre-seed. There's, there's investors that just do that. So there's a good choice. And there's also crowdfunding now, you know, so cr- crowdfunding, which is actually you have to, you know, if you raise a certain proportion, you know, yourself and then you can match it through crowdfunding. Great idea. Got an involved community. Um, this is an amazing entrepreneur that just spoke at our summit called um, Lemon Fuller, and she has Lemonade Dolls, which is an underwear subscription business. And she raised, you know, over, I think, 250 grand or more on Cedars, I think it was. So really quickly, but she got an engaged membership. So that's something that's really, I think, an interesting one that she's taught me and I'm looking at that as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. Crowdfunding's really grown over the past few years, I've seen. And yeah, like you say, it can be super successful. So that's really interesting. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not try out Real Talk? 
on Real Talk, the Customer Insights Show, Vox Popme's Jen Vogel interviews insights and customer experience experts to help listeners understand their customers. Listen wherever you listen to podcasts or ask Alexa or Siri to play Real Talk, the Customer Insights Show podcast. How important is it pitching when it comes to raising funds i know most types of investment does involve pitching does it ever get any easier like how does it feel when you're you know you're pitching yourself talk me through the pitching process i think the more serious uh i say serious the more institute like the vcs the those guys that feels quite i don't know it doesn't it feels it's more it feels more complicated challenging I've certainly spoken to a number of female founders who have said I've pitched to eight groups and I've met one woman or two women. Or And certainly if you look at the makeup of women, although they're trying to change that, it isn't often women. That being said, I've also met with female VCs who have said we're looking for more women. All of us have this on our agenda. We know we're trying, which is what we're trying to do with Wealthy Hair is obviously put them together. They're out there. We've got to find them. We've got to match make them and put them together in the right ways. And then, you know, I rightly or wrongly, you know, I have like I'm, I'm adopting approach where I'm talking to individual women who care about the cause, who are prepared to get involved, share their voice are more than the money. And for some reason, I find that that whether that's more my comfort zone, I'm more comfortable there. And it doesn't mean that I won't go to these kind of more institutional over time. My starting point is, again, going back to that build those assets and people that can be so much more on the journey. Yeah, you seem like such a confident person. So it seems like pitching would probably just come naturally to you. But I assume that obviously when you are in them more intense situations, it can get to anyone. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. And as I said, when they go, go and you're like oh hi I'm Tamara um you know and then like could you move on could you just go to the finance section and you're like oh um sure can I just tell you about all that no no and you're like or you know and you've got to be prepared to adapt so yeah and you've got to dust yourself off it is terrifying at times and yet at other times you come out going yes that was great and especially if you approach like a conversation yeah it can be very brutal I I imagine (laughs) I want to talk about some of the challenges, some of the challenges you've seen, obviously, through the, the Wealthy Her and through some of the entrepreneurs that you work with go through, but then also, obviously, your personal experiences. What have been some of the biggest challenges when it comes to raising funds so far? Um, I think that knowing where to start, knowing how to prepare, arming yourself with everything from the lingo. And there is a lot of, there it is, a lot of lingo. And it is actually technical chat so it's important to learn it and master it and feel confident because otherwise like everything in finance for women if, if you don't know the you know women I think 57% of women want less jargon we do we know this we don't understand what you're saying and therefore we don't feel we're involved well that that extends to finance financing or funding you know like preferential rate you know this is your multiple EBITDA You need to know it and get genned up on it, even if you do it through a couple of meetings. And one of the things that I have done is I met some people I didn't really want in the beginning because I thought, oh, you can just I can you can destroy me and I can learn some words from you. And, you know, and I don't mind if you don't invest in me because I never expected you would. And so I'm kind of, you know, just using it and also give yourself a deadline because as I said when you're doing a day job it's very hard to book those meetings and you will be ready for those meetings and 
come out, even when you get, because you will get knocks, come out with a fighting spirit. Because I have definitely, probably from my East End dad, I'm a scrapper. You know, I don't go into them going, oh, that was, you know, I'm going to just go back and feel a thing. I'm like, no. And next time I get asked that question, I'm going to be prepared with four versions of it. And I'll have this model and I'll have that model. Go into it with that because that will arm and equip you for the next one. And it means that every time is a learn a learning experience. I think that, you know, people want you to be all things. And sometimes you do go, oh, my goodness, I'm trying to raise the funding so I can go and do deep discovery on the technical platform. I have built technical. Pla- I have led the capabilities of technical platforms for my strategic clients like O2 Priority. I am not a technical idiot. However, I need the money to go and do the detailed scoping. I have not got the complete architecture mapped out or when you need it. I'm like, oh, you know, so, you know, there's come on, give me a break. Like I've got you the outline. After, I've got the, No, we need this. The platform is everything. And so you learn again, you learn, but you do. You just got to and you got to kind of be relentless about kind of, you know, and also confident at the same time. You know, people say to me, you know, well, that how do you know that that market's even going to be like, well, it's a really established market because of X, Y and Z. And then they're like, oh, OK, OK, that's fair. You know, so. Yeah. Do you think that women have struggled sometimes with the confidence because obviously they know that there is a lack of diversity like that? The the fact that we're we're going in slightly less advantaged surely puts us straight away our mindset. We're like, oh, well, there's less chance of us getting this or there's less chance of if there was, you know, men and women going for it, they're already at an advantage. Is that something that kind of stumbles women? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we know from our research, like women more likely to have, say, perceived comp- uh, skills gap. So I actually think I have less skills than I do. Um, and I have this oh, this wonderful woman who, um, Lisa Francis, who is at Barclays, and she gave an example, which I just love, which typifies how women do this. She got together all of her managing directors from across the bank together, and she had a conference. And then she said, oh, who is an expert in breastfeeding in the team? And two guys put their hand up and said, I'm an expert. And she's like, oh, John, why are you an expert? My wife breastfed. Oh, okay, you watched. Great. Jane and Sarah, I know you breastfed your children. Why do you not think you're experts? Well, I only breastfed two and I only did it for six months. I didn't feel that I kind of knew. You know, and women do this. We do go, well, I'm not really an expert. And so one of the things I say to myself and to teams, if you can't own that you're an expert, ask people that you respect so that when people say, are you an expert at this? You know, how, can you build this technic platform? Well, as my client O2 would say, when I led the strategic development of blah, 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 I did this and I did this. It doesn't have to come from you because we hate that. So you've got to overcome it in your own mind as much as, as you know, and, and if you need cues to go, I built this, I delivered this and someone else says this about me, prepare, because then you, it will, you know, come off. The other thing is I've heard, which is sad, is women often will not be as ambitious in their thinking. And while they might be ambitious, they don't sell an ambitious game. So women will say, well, I've done the assumptions and the sub-assumptions and then line B, and whereas a man will say, actually, I'm going to be five markets. I'm going to be there in da-da-da, four years. I'm going to do this. And the language is very different. So it's as much as having an ambitious, ambitious mindset as selling an ambitious mindset and also having the details to back it up, but not a self-deprecating, you know, and, and assumptions. And often I've also heard 
women have assumptions that are so detailed that someone can say, do you really believe that you're going to get four of those in year month two? You know, they're easier to pick apart as well. So and that's not you know, that's not universal. So I think that there's those those things. And I think as much as overcoming in our own head, but also overcoming the barriers we face. And the other thing which I know to be true is women do have to balance lives. And I know this. I know this as as a mum. You know, we're going global with wealthy her. We're raising money. The only barrier I faced is, am I prepared to be less available to my son? He's six. He's turning seven. And I will I will go through a period and I will have to travel more. And I've become a little bit homeschooled myself. You know, we spent so much time in the house in the evenings and the thing. I used to travel more and I've got, you know, the only barrier I had to overcome is I am prepared because, you know, he he cooked me breakfast on International Women's Day. He said, mum, I'm going to make you scrambled eggs. I stayed upstairs and he said, you know, and then he heard me on She's Got This Summit talking in the house because I was filming. We were filming and he at dinner, he said, I said, um, do you know who my role model is? And I was like, who? He said, Mara, me. Mara Gillen <laughs> and I was like that makes it worth it and and he will and I have always had a working mum as well you know just believe but it's hard for women it is hard because the duality of who we are yeah and, and I was going to say on your previous point you know the the ambition side of things that women sometimes struggle with is is that a society thing uh, a society that we've been brought up in has kind of made us to believe that and that leads on to this point as well obviously like society just portrays that mums are the more mumlier figures they are the ones that are there to you know cook the dinner and look after them put them to bed which is it's not the the case for every family I know but because we have that figure like painted over us is that always going to hold us back or because now people are doing so much more like the wealthy her network and there's you know so many more international women's days like become such a like a big yearly event in few years will we see these massive changes because society has changed yes i think that you know it is tough and we all know that there are cultural expectations norms we know that wherever you're you know if you had a working mother you're more like you know all of those things who you, and culturally it's different you know you go we're we're going into asia you go there and they're these you know at a representation level and leadership that kick-ass women and then more more obviously so although that does change when you go up to kind of like you know board level and it's hard like as i said i've heard my mother my son say to me you know why don't you pick me up from school like every day? That's what mothers do. And I'm like, well, this mother wants to change the world and this mother wants and I'm there for you and I'm always there at the important things, but I am not there. It is a pointless exercise and, and I wish I could actually, but actually it's a so much waste of a time to come every day to get in the car and take you home. I'm just going to pick you up on these days and I'll be there at your sporting events and I'll be there at your things, but that's hard and you have to coach yourself and you really have to coach yourself to believe that because you do face that. And on the other side, I do think it is changing and we you know, there is this massive shift of people are saying, you know, lead, you know, we know world leaders who's done well. Mm, I have to say New Zealand. Thank you, Jacinda. You know, world leaders on, a, you know, women are changing the game everywhere. Different industries. Kamala, you know, in art and, in, in, you know, so I think there is a shift. And 
And there's this wonderful lady who's a BBC art critic called May from Maddox Gallery. And she said to me, it's a great time to be a woman or a diverse woman in art. Or it's a good, you know, it's not a good time to be a single white man uh, in art, you know, or, you know, it's, it's, there is this change. However, there is also this thing that we know with Kantar, our research partner, the Reykjavik Index, is that perceptions as women as leaders, you know, there are some places where it's declining. People do not think that women should be leaders. Now, that is where society is getting it wrong and we need to work against it. And there is a terrible thing we also know from research. When the going's tough in tough economic times, in business, leadership, people do think some there is this kind of this view that, you know, you stick to type, you revert. So, you know, it's an interesting time, but I think positive change is on the way and we have to hold our course and hold our line even when the going is tough. Definitely. And I'm super excited to see these changes. And when it comes to the funding landscape, obviously things are starting to change. Like you say yourself, what the Wealthy Her network is is there to, to kind of help that. And we have touched on, obviously, it's, it's two sides, but the, the lack of diversity in the, the funding landscape, is it worse in, in investors? Is there more of a, a shortage of female investors and females higher up? Or is it the shortage in female entrepreneurs receiving the funding? Or is it just a complete mix of both? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, as I said, you, I think that even the Future Fund, the Future Fund in the UK was set up to help prosperous entrepreneurs to the other side post-COVID. I think it was like 1.25% of all applications came from female founders. We know that proportionally 33% of all business owners are women. Why is that? Is that because women don't think they're going to get the funding? Is that because they weren't aware? Did they think they weren't going to succeed in those situations? And then when you look at the funding figures, it certainly didn't flow through and it doesn't. So no one can deny. And if you look at you know, 1%, 1 to 2% of all startup funding goes to female founders. If you look across different stages, the proportion of, proportion of funding, 28% goes to female founders. If you look at diverse groups, 0.02 goes to female founders who are of black or ethnic minority. So it's not happening. And some of that is because women are not thinking to go there. So we need to get more women through because if you talk to the funding community, they're like, we're not finding them. So we need to work on both sides. And then we need to make sure that we prepare female founders in the best way with the tools, the knowledge, that confidence, that get over your own skills gap. You've got that skill. You've got tangible opportunities. Let's help get you prepared. And on the other side, say to the funders, you need to change what you're listening for and how you are engaging. And so it's, it's, it is the both sides of it that was where I think we'll see real change. Definitely. And I think when there is a problem, there's no point pointing fingers or it's more you, it's more you. It's like the change coming from both sides is, is always going to be the, the best answer. I could sit here and talk to you all day, but I am conscious that you are a very busy lady. So my final question, which I think will be a nice piece to end on, is what advice would you give to, to female founders that are potentially looking to fund in, in the short term uh, future? I would say, as much as it annoys me to use the words of Lara, not not that it annoys me, do put your big girl pants on. You know, it's going to be a journey. Be tough. Believe in yourself. Stay strong on that. You know, believe in yourself and give yourself a break. Do look after yourselves. I think anybody on an entrepreneurial journey, anyone on a business journey, 
you need to be energized you know you need to be well look after I truly mean you know look after yourself so that when you get those challenges those questions you are in the best possible place to think I'm going to go back in I'm going to prepare some more I'm going to get over this little hurdle I'm going to do that um and I think also as I said just as a final point uh, it's my favorite thing you have got this and if the routes that you're going don't get you the answer think think creatively think you know around outside the box as well and, and reach out to people who can help you because you know every time I've asked someone a man or woman help me I'm thinking of this someone comes with an idea someone comes with a connection and so you know that power of community and connection is strong and people do want to help you and as I know if you ask a good woman you generally get something great back from a good woman. Amazing. I've, yes, we've got so much from you today, Tamara. It's been an absolute pleasure. I was I tuned into the She's Got This on International Women's Day and I loved it. It was one of the best online events I've been to this past year. So I'm excited to see what else you guys at the Wealthy Her Network get up to and good luck with the rest of your funding journey yourself. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me. And as you say, it was a it was so easy to talk to you and a joy and, and thanks for your support of us and, and great to keep collaborating with you guys. Serial Entrepreneur.